Anzoku Layer 36. Hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzoku. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who want an excuse to talk about anime, manga, and any related subjects we find interesting. The Kenzoku are myself, Sam. Howdy, I'm Nick. Hey all, I'm Mike. <laughs> and I am Dylan. Right, and tonight we are recording episode 36 on August 10th of 2023. Uh, and tonight we're talking about uh, Serial Experiments Lane. But before we get into that, we had a couple of follow-up items. Uh, Nick, you had one thing you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so in our previous episode, Battle Royale, there was a little segment we're talking about with uh, Miyamoto Yuko, and I had said the hilariously wrong statement that she and Anno were married. I don't know, I, I must have really been tired that day, because they actually have a pretty strained history from some articles that I've read. Uh, it turns out that during the recordings for uh, End of Eva, which is like the pretty much the end of the original run of Evangelion, right? It's the final movie, air quotes, before they did the rebuilds. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's much of a spoiler since we talked so much about the final scene where, you know, Shinji Nasuka on the beach. Apparently that scene was a very difficult one for all parties, which was, you know, Anno as the director, Miyamoto, Miyamoto Yuko as Asuka, and uh, Megumi Oguchi as Shinji, you know. It's mm -hmm. they tried a variety of lines, and none of them were working. And even at one point, Anno actually had uh, Oguchi straddle Miyamoto Yuko and start strangling her to try to like have her method act it, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's really dark. And Yikes. finally, um, after I, the endless cuts, um, Anno basically you know frustrated and kind of exasperated. Uh, asked Miyamoto Yuko a really inappropriate question. I'll try to phrase it in, as a, innocuously as possible. He basically said, how would you feel if you were asleep in your bed and there was a stranger inside your room who could assault you, but instead of assaulting you, is just there um, pleasuring himself? And she literally just said the words disgusting, which are actually Asuka's final words in End of Eva. It's Kimochiori. Like, the way she even says it, really, you can hear the disdain in her voice. So, uh, apparently, that felt, that whole ordeal really soured her to Eva and Anno. And mm. she actually, to this day, from what I understand, doesn't, would, doesn't really love the fact that she is adored for her role as Asuka worldwide because she actually has almost grown resentment to the character. Obviously, she still chose to reprise it for yeah, the rebuilds. Yeah. But Not that I think, hated that much. <laughs> I think part of it is because um, she, the vision that Ando had of actually, you know, doing the ending in, you know, uh, a different way. But also, uh, she recorded, my understanding, she recorded all the rebuild stuff remotely because she's actually living in Australia now and all of it was recorded in Australia, from what I oh. understand. So. Yeah, so turns out her relationship with Ando is quite the opposite. They actually have a pretty strained relationship. Obviously not so strained that she refused the role, but, you know, thought that was an interesting story. Yeah, wow. That is very interesting. <laughs> the opposite of married, I guess. <laughs> uh, just about. Yeah, we'll, uh, 
I, I would I would I fully support going back to the Evangelion well at some point too. <laughs> Endlessly, the endless well. Oh yeah. Um I had a little bit of follow up here. We were talking about something. I think maybe it was I don't remember what it was exactly how we got onto. We were talking about um Genshin Impact and the the company that makes it Mihoyo. Mm-hmm. And I had thought that they were based out of Hong Kong and Dylan said they're based out of Shanghai. And I looked up and they are indeed based out of Shanghai. Um, I don't know why I thought Hong Kong. But the other thing I found while looking this up was that the founders are huge weebs, uh, especially Ava weebs. Uh, in fact, if you go look at their previous games, um, their first game was called Hongkai Third, Hongkai Impact Third. Uh, and then, of course, we have Genshin Impact, which is, you know, hmm. kind of follows from that. Hmm. And then they made yeah. a Honkai Star hmm. Rail after that. Right, yeah. So, like, these guys are, like, yeah, mega Ava fans, um, and they're pretty clear about it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> when they launched, uh, the, that's right, their very first game was called Fly Me to the Moon as an App Store game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty deep. Yeah, subtle. Yeah, Not, yeah very subtle. I never would have guessed, but there we go. So those guys seems pretty rad. Um, I think we would get along pretty well with them. Yeah. Uh, as uh, on a related note, I played Honkai uh, Impact Third for a little bit, and funny enough, they actually ran at least one Eva collab. So they achieved oh, their, really? they must have achieved, that must have been like a lifelong dream achieved to actually, you know, get Eva officially licensed for the wow. game. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can imagine if I was in their shoes, that would be like my, you know, that, 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 that bucket list item got checked off. So, yeah, geez, just imagine, boy, what a feeling that is like. <laughs> exactly. I wonder if I can get that scammed at my work and get like a eva themed css style on our on our web page <laughs> <laughs> official <laughs> an official overlay that'd be great and now i got now i gotta work on that. i gotta i got a work project yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so tonight we are discussing uh the anime serial experiments lane just a little bit of background here um this is a television anime that came out in July of 1998. And just as to kind of uh, calibrate you, uh, this came out in uh, July of 1998, and Cowboy Bebop started in 97 and ended basically exactly before this. It ended in June of 1998. So this is like, and both of them are TV Tokyo, so I imagine that this thing kind of picked up right where Bebop left off in terms of that kind of, Man, can you imagine yeah. having watching stuff, you know, back then watching that live, like watching Cowboy Bebop air and then immediately going to Lane? Like, man, what a time to be an anime fan. Yeah, yeah right. That's, yeah, that kind of got me thinking as I was reading through some of the stuff where people were like, um, I found an, an old An America scans from around that time, and they're like, the person who posted the scans was commenting on, boy, what a time for anime. And then, I did kind of have a moment where I'm like, how much of that is just because that's what we had available? And like, but I mean, Cowboy Bebop is undeniably good. And, and well, we'll discuss Lane tonight. Did Bebop really stop airing in June? That feels a little long for something that had such a weird initial airing history. Didn't only half of it actually air on broadcast or thereabouts? 
Uh, I'm going by what Wikipedia says, so that I <laughs> you could trust me as much as you trust Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up at some point. It's been a while, but I just remember the original airing of Bebop was weird. I mean, it, it is a yeah. I do remember some weirdness, um, but you know, we, maybe we can get that in a follow-up thing. That does sound like an interesting thing. But either way, they're very at least very close. Like, um, mm-hmm. so that's still pretty crazy. Um, the thing was directed by Ryutaro Nakamura, um, who unfortunately passed away in 2013 of, uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Which kind of had some, like, these guys, um, this, this staff, um, well, basically I'll just say, like, the Yasuyuki Ueda, um, uh, was the producer, a producer. Um, he, this is the guy actually, he would go to conventions and stuff with, um, Abe, um, written by Chiaki J. Konaka, uh, music by Reiji Nakaido, uh, studio triangle staff, um, who is also no longer with us. They, mm, they died rip. of something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. So th- these, these people seem to work together, particularly, um, uh, Ueda, the producer and the director Nakamura, uh, and the writer, the writer Konaka and uh, Abe, the, um, they're all pretty close. And you, you know, like Nia Under Seven, um, Taibani Renmei, and then they were working on the series Despara, uh, which I guess apparently in, been in development hell ever since um, the director passed away. Uh, apparently, the, the it's been they tweeted about it as early as or as as recently as 2021 saying that we've got 80% of the money, guys. It's just, <laughs> eventually it'll be finished. Correct, so, me, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Triangle staff not do Boogie Pop Phantom? Uh, yes, they did. Okay, I'm good. pretty sure they did, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, they did Boogie I Pop I want to say, like, re- because Lane, Nia, and Boogie Pop were pretty much like that, like back-to-back-to-back projects for them, if I recall. I believe so. This is one of those things, <laughs> this is kind of one of the asides in this that I want to talk about, because I freaking love triangle staff they did so much of like the best 90s stuff like because you can go like they were one of the main producers for macross plus really which is yeah yeah they're in the, one of the main studios of that but yeah and then they do stuff with like yeah then lane like lane nia boogie pop um <clears throat> Oh, another show I would actually love to do a thing on again, but if we don't, that's fine. But one of my favorite mid-90s OVAs, uh, Shamanic Princess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which was, like, really cool animation and just, like, such an interesting uh, thing. And then it's just, like, I'm just, like, looking at their stuff because I was, like, you know, it seems like kind of like the last thing that they were, like, kind of involved in really was, like, maybe even Pat Labor Wasted 13. Yeah, we, just reading um, that, Wikipedia says that they went defunct yeah. producing that movie and Madhouse took over. Oh. Oh. Tragic. It sucks. Oh, yeah, and uh, Magic Users Club, uh, Mahal Sky Tai, which I love the OVA and the TV, both both the OVA and the TV series for they, that. They it's... did Colorful. I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Colorful. Wow. They had so much. <laughs> Japanese yeah, coming so up. Much crazy... good. <laughs> they did so much, so much wild, interesting stuff. That sucks that they um, they went under doing Wasted 13. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's sad. Better, on the bright I, side. Yeah, better that they went out really 
batting a thousand, right? Like everything they did was, I felt like you could feel the quality and the like the passion for the series, right? I mean, on the upside, other than the director, right? The the core staff still exists, um, although like Abe hardly seems like he does anything anymore, and uh, the writer. Uh, Chiaki J. Konaka basically has also done very little um, since Triangle Staff stuff, it seems like. Um, yeah, so hopefully they'll get the band back together and do some more cool stuff, finish that Despot thing. But anyways, um, Lane, uh, this is a very hard-to-describe series. Um, I think when I... If you were to ask me, you know, a month ago, I would have said it was a sci-fi series but watching it again and kind of reevaluating with triangle stuff i would say it's more of a sci-fi horror uh and it's very i'm i'm still confused as to what happened what it what it, what the story was in this series but it's like basically actually somebody want to try and give a a quick synopsis i'll i'll take a swing at it all right so the series focuses on a quiet unassuming middle school teenager named lane who initially seems very meek quiet kind of antisocial and you know has a handful of friends at school that try to break her out of her shell and the i guess the catalyst for the show was like one of her classmates commits suicide and Mm -hmm. there is this rumor that she you know even after her death she's sending messages um to people's navi so i guess we should explain concepts in the show right so the show came out in 1998 the internet was still a relatively new thing social media most certainly was not really a thing then there were forums but they were quite different than social media is now Mm -hmm. and so there were these devices called navis which are essentially pcs and they communicate via something called the wired which is effectively the internet and people were getting these messages from, you know, from the, from Chiaki, I think Chisa is the name that commands suicide, maybe Chia, uh, yeah. yeah, Chisa Chong. And, you know, Lane, people are asking, oh, Lane, did you get one too? She's like, oh, I don't know. I don't really touch my Navi. And so basically through a series of events, mostly asking her dad, who seems to be some sort of, you know, Navi slash computer engineer, buys her this top of the line you know, Navi, and she suddenly goes down this rabbit hole of becoming this hyper-obsessive, like, power user. And at some point, she discovers that she's actually an entity that can basically freely enter the Wired without having to use a device, and essentially has some, you know interesting godlike powers that seem to develop from it and then also in the interim there's some multiple personality stuff going I, i'm already kind of confusing myself again but i don't know <laughs> it's am, confusing am I, yeah am i am i at least catching all the major points yeah so yeah far? yeah right and then at some point she meets the god of the internet i guess is the best way to describe it who turns out to be this you know old this uh, old programmer well, i guess it's not old but a programmer who basically designed what the new the the newest like what were they what were they called protocol seven protocol yeah yeah so effectively the new architecture i guess i'm not a computer science person but i guess for the for the wired and i was supposed to revolutionize 
things because it would enable people to connect to the wired without a device. And mm -hmm. I guess there's like a shadow organization that's trying to stop that, but it turns out they actually weren't trying to stop that. They were actually so it kind of gets Evangelion like, where the shadow, you know, entity is actually trying to basically, you know, facilitate the end air quotes, you know, I guess not end of the world, but you know, a massive change in the world by um, releasing Lane from her mortal coil, so to speak. But yeah, it gets kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because it makes sense to me, but it's really hard for me to explain now that I'm trying to explain it. So I, I feel like the, the, the interesting thing about it is like, that's where there's a lot to discuss, I think, because it's not exactly clear. Like I, I've actually been reading stuff to, to kind of put it together for me. And I feel like, you know, there's some things that you could maybe disagree on as to what went on in the plot. Um, amusingly, the, the, the producer <laughs> says it has to do, like he really intentionally tried to make it so that Western fans and Japanese fans would have a different understanding of it. And he was really disappointed when basically we, we all felt the same about it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, super confusing. I, I really liked how like visually and kind of just the mood of it, which is, I think what really, hooks people i think most people don't even remember the plot uh, at all I, I mean i know i didn't and i love this series um but just the, it's a it's very um i guess what you would say these days very aesthetic uh it's does a super good job of of setting a mood like really great design doesn't tell you anything which i was trying to think is is there anything else like that these days where they just don't really tell you what's going on at all lane is truly one of a kind even compared to other abstract shows lane i feel like is, is, is so unique but like um, even ava ava i think it, it oh, puts sure. in the same class absolutely as, as lane i think these um, two are the the front i would say that eva goes more for like the you know heavy religious undertones where lane is more i i would say like lack of a better term like the the whole anonymous route with like you know kind of the secret illuminati organizations of the internet kind of kind of route mm -hmm. But sure. yeah, I do agree. I think they're cut from the same cloth in that sense. Yeah. Everything today seems very just kind of super narrative focused, whereas Lane is is not really narrative focused. It's all about the setting. It's yeah. it's almost purely on the setting. And you know, it's so funny because I I mean Abe's art is to this day some of my all time favorite art out there. Mm -hmm. Um even though I would say that its interpretation in animation is not accurate i still really am like awestruck by lane more more less i don't i wouldn't say it's animated particularly well no. but the art no. <laughs> the art quality there's so many face close like up close face close-ups in that show like i didn't realize how many there were until i rewatched it recently i'm like man they really focus a ton on up close face shots so Obviously, you got to be have very consistent and good art to do that. Otherwise, it's that's not going to work. Especially because the show with a lot of slow pans, a lot mm -hmm. of static scenery with you know, kind of the the buzzing of the the of the high like the power lines, right? It's kind of the only sound, and it's a very set. You know, sp supposed to set a tone. It's a very slow paced show. Yeah, until like I feel like the very end, it kind of picks up pretty fast. I, yeah. I feel if I was to knock it, that's kind of where I would. I feel like there's a point in the show where actually even I made a note where I think 
it realized it was going too slow. Um, episode nine, Protocol, which is basically the, the episode where they kind of list off a bunch of conspiracy theory and history things mm-hmm. to kind of like, hey, we haven't really, you know, explained much of the background of this thing, but here's a bunch of stuff that hints at like what we're kind of getting at. That's the uh, one that they introduced AD in, right? Uh, what? AD, oh. the, the, pro, the, the program, programmer god guy. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. That's what uh-huh. they yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I believe that's the one. They they talk about a lot of like actual real history events that kind of re- relate to this stuff. Um, so uh, to give them credit, they don't actually just they don't really explain everything, but they just kind of drop a bunch of big hints. Um, I thought that was fifty uh, fifty mixed on that one, like kind of lame, but also a neat way of handling the kind of the info dump. This was there's so much. Uh... <clears throat> so I haven't watched this show in quite a while. I think as as other others haven't there so it's one of those things where i just kind of come back and you're like all right is this show still good and cool and interesting and you know is it relevant or are you just like super cringing at everything and being mm-hmm. like oh man why why did we like tenchi so much i was afraid of that too <laughs> <laughs> um but uh there's so many so many ways to go with that but i i think it still is is really excellent i had the same thoughts about watching the show where i'm like I was thinking about this versus um, what was one of the like the, one of the better shows from last year, whatever one the the Crunchy Roll, the one that won the Crunchy Roll for the Cyberpunk best show, Lico Le- Le- Rico. Oh, Lico Rico. Oh yeah, Lico Rico. Mm-hmm. Which like it's a perfectly good show, like it's very well done and clean. But you're just like you watch that versus Lane, and you're like Lico Rico could have been made as a Netflix live action TV series. And it would have been, it could have been done like pretty much just as cool. It would have had a slightly different vibe being live action versus animated, but it would have been very similar. Lane, I don't think you could do it in any format other than anime, like animation and have it actually still work. Hmm. 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 I don't know. I feel like because of the kind of vagueness of it i think it allows you like not saying i want to see it but i think you could probably do an interesting uh adaptation it would be different but i feel like in the same way that lico rico would be different so yeah i feel like it would have to be like so different it would be like oh we're doing a lane reboot and because it's 2023 it'd have to be like super gritty but then it would also have to have like everything is a plot and everything ties together and you don't just have the as they put in the uh, little extras, the Grelane, gr- gr- uh, like the mix of like the alien lane. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which is just like, <laughs> it's just like a thing. It's just like, and they have all the stuff of like the alien conspiracy theory of like, nobody knows what was actually landed there and all the stuff. And then there's like, eh, we didn't go anywhere with that. It's fine. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> well, first I do want to address that. Like, I see what you're saying. Like, if you were to try and make live action lane today, you couldn't make it. Um, because yeah, I don't think, you know, like the, the days of Blair Witch Project are, are gone and, and Blair Witch Project as a TV series just wouldn't work, you know, like that kind of gritty, grainy, um, vague. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, and also again, was so much of Lane for me from a visual perspective where the, where this was the center or those like angles and the shots, right? Like a lot of that would be really hard to do 
well in live action in my opinion i do agree with that just some of those just wouldn't work and also it's a sh- again it's a very slow show. it's actually even though it's a very cerebral show it's really a show that does not have much dialogue either Mm-mm. it's pretty impressive what they achieved with it actually it's interesting i'm thinking about the kind of rushed feeling of the ending how 13F series was pretty uncommon still in 1998, wasn't it? It was, yeah, definitely. I, I had that same I had that same thought too, Mike. I was like, huh, like how many of these other shows that were like this? Because I can't really think of at that. I'm sure there's others. I really can't think of studios, frankly, other than Triangle Staff that did 13F shows. Whereas with them, you have Lane, Boogie Pop, Neo, Neo Under Seven are all what at that time would have been called a half season rather than a full season. Because mm-hmm. um, the assumption was it was 26, and then you have a full season of Lost Universe, and, and your life is terrible. I don't think Lane <laughs> could have been 26 steps, though. Like, I don't think people... No. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, no. You would not be able to keep people's attention, because I feel like it, the, the way it ramped up, to me, it was jarring, but I felt like it was like perfectly timed, because it gave you... Still just enough time. It wasn't like it ramped up and then it ended. It still had about a full, what, quarter of the show left to really show, to me, a very adequate conclusion. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, it's funny because I, re- like you said, Sam, I, I, I love Lane a lot, but truthfully, I remembered so little about it. I remember themes, but I don't remember much of the plot at all. When I watch, I'm like, man... I remember being a lot more depressed at the ending than the first time I watched this because truthfully I actually was pretty overall very satisfied with the ending. Yeah, yeah. I, I my arc watching the show again was very much like I was super into it in the beginning and then I kinda especially when I got to episode nine, I was like, Oh man, it's kind of a cop out. But I still enjoyed it. And then I feel like it kinda had a a very satisfying ending and 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 the thing that gets me that leaves me the most happy with it as the longer the more distance i have since finishing it like the more i feel like i enjoy it the more i've kind of stewed on it and thought about it there's lots of interesting questions that it brings up it's not a there's lots of different um things you could discuss about it right like we are doing here that, that they kind of leave open they don't they don't tie it all together like what is weird grayly and um great gray lane or whatever the alien lane there's so much stuff like that in it to kind of pick at and uh roll over in your mind most shows don't do that yeah and then as well yeah with like the it's just such a well directed show where you could almost call it like a limited animation show um because it's like i'm sure they had a very small they didn't they obviously didn't have a huge budget for it but they used it so smartly and I think they did a really cool job of using like camcorder shots and rotoscoping and things like that and putting it in the show like in a way where it doesn't take you out and it doesn't look stupid. Like it adds to it almost that there's these like weird background shots that they'll have in times that's literally just like, oh, here's a camcorder shot that we took and then mm-hmm. like passed through a little filter. Um yeah, with other shows, it would be something I would look askance at, but with this show, it really comes across as a stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. Fits, and it fits really well, especially with like some of the camcorders and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I, I cringed at then, but feels kind of quaint now, um, is the computer UIs and stuff. 
Uh, some of them seemed really silly to me back in the day, but now I think they're kind of awesome. Uh, like Lane, <laughs> Lane's pocket navy thing. They're so kind of ridiculous and over the top. So, uh, it, yeah, I would like to go over that. So I I like to think that when they were concepting this, like so much of what they were concepting really ultimately is kind of what developed in, in my, at least in my opinion. Again, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a computer software person, at least. I'm like a minor dabbler in hardware, but like having a pocket device that's like networked and, you know, and each person is like very, you know, like themed, right? To theirs, like the kids, like you're, you know, at the very mm-hmm. end, it's like, oh, you got a nice rig there. Yeah. It's like you, you like customized it. It's kind of like, like the current day with people, you know, making a statement with their devices, right? Like to make mm-hmm. it feel like their own felt like they really nailed that obviously the whole concept of everybody's connected in the wired it's like i mean social media is effectively that now right but give or take um (laughs) give or take you know there's there's obviously not it's not one-to-one but just how much of it what they were you know back then was considered to be i would say pretty you know out there things you know hindsight now it's like wow a lot of it actually ended up kind of being kind of like how it developed so i thought that was really interesting I, the one thing I would knock them on, although again, I don't, you know, they're not there to predict the future. It's just kind of interesting is that their Navi interface, the portable ones, was uh, very clearly kind of stuck on the Palm Pilot style of like there's a separate space <laughs> where you use your pen. I thought that was kind sure. of funny. Mm. They couldn't imagine directly inter- <laughs> like interacting with the screen. Yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, some of that stuff. And frankly, like, I thought they did a really good job with their digital mm-hmm. animation work and features and stuff there. Like, I watched off of, I watched in the proper format off of my original Pioneer DVDs. Um, and uh, frankly, all the effects and everything, like, still melded in and, like, looked good, like, in with the show. They didn't, they didn't have this kind of jarring separated look like for as good as things do, like some of the CG stuff, like looking in like, mm-hmm. you know, their comparable show of Bebop, like some of the stuff there like really stands out very differently from the um, from the rest of the animation and not in like the best way. Whereas I felt like all this stuff here, like it really like mixed and melted in well, which especially there's so much complex compositing work because yeah. they have like all these different interfaces overlaying in different ways and rotating around and everything seemed to feel, you know, good within the, their aesthetic that they were going for. Yeah. I would, I would really love to know what they used to make all that stuff. Cause it was so early in the days of like that, that kind of digital production stuff. There's some yeah. lots of crazy stuff. going. Some of the things they ripped straight from like real computer interfaces. Um, but a lot of that was very creative. Yeah, I took a couple screenshots of some of their various programming languages and things like that. Um, But um, that was all really well done. Yeah, it's interesting. The style blended so well that talking about things that we didn't remember, like I actually misremembered Lane for a long time, though was corrected by someone else a few years back, that the show, I remembered the show as early digi, but doing like stylistic choices to make it actually look good and no, it's actually Cell that does stylistic choices to blend well with the digital elements. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was actually something that struck me in it is that this is early in DigiPaint days, but they did draw it. It was looked like it was just composited, 
digitally, right? Yeah, the show has actual cells. Like, I was yeah. corrected by a Super Lane fan who actually has some. So. Ooh, I would love some of those, boy. Oh, man. Yeah, it, I, that was probably one of the things that struck me that didn't hold up as well. They hadn't quite figured out that, like, you should just keep the frame rate the same um, mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. But, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. I was I was kind of looking for it a little bit too much. One of the other things that I saw was super cool in the mood was just kind of the way um lane's interest in navis you know computers or and navis navis is the blue people um i don't know I, whatever <laughs> uh, it can be the same yeah thing. okay <laughs> um but i like the way that she just kind of like got deeper and deeper into it and then like her room is like filled with like water and like steam valves and giant tanks stuff. of coolant <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, Super, I, like yeah. cyberpunky. Like <laughs> yeah. when your liquid coolant makes a puddle on the floor, you've probably got some structural issues pretty quick. But uh... <laughs> she's like all otaku, right? She's got no time to clean any of that up. It's just, <laughs> just going to keep going. <laughs> just sleep in it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so well, good. I was also thinking back to like when we first watched the show because it came out, it was, it was originally aired uh, basically. Right now, 25 years ago, would have tomorrow would be 25 years ago. Tomorrow would be airing episode six. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's literally would have been like, yeah, nearly, nearly real time delayed in the future in the past, which according to the show was fine because you can just rewrite the past <laughs> and the future. Um, uh, but like the DVDs came out in, I had it up somewhere, um, but they came out in July of 99. So it was like July, August, uh, October, November for the four, um, for the four DVDs there. And I was kind of thinking about like back then and why it was such a, a cool thing because it was so much that like I think for certainly for myself and everyone else there was like oh man we just like it was almost kind of like yeah you just you just wanted to be Lane you're like she's so cool because yeah. she's like this weird person and then just literally takes over the entire house and becomes and melds and becomes one with the internet and you know at that time we were doing our best to be meld and become one with the internet and um <laughs> You know, cer- certainly at that time, I was still, uh, to use uh, the term, a, a, a techno-optimist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just a, a show that was so much of that time there, too, of like, oh, check out all this cool stuff. But then it also kind of is like, well, yeah, you still had it, you know, maybe maybe just giving yourself over to the internet for all time isn't great. But I also think that 19... 19- year old me didn't really care or want to hear about that message yeah, so, no. <laughs> that part was irrelevant <laughs> nick were you gonna say something yeah this this is completely like unrelated but just they this so like i said earlier i'm not a software person but i am a biologist and specifically i think it was f2 uh whichever app was titled psyche um it might have been two or three but there's a portion you know episode where she gets that whatever you want to call it, the the digital pill which is oh yeah that, that looks like yeah the, the which is the most horrible design in the world but it's spine so you can't swallow it but 
Well, there's a part where it's being like talked about on the news and you know it's spinning around and you know really poor 3d cg and you see all this text going by and I, I never read it back in the day but i read it this time and it's actually talking about uh human uh vegf receptor and vegf which is actually like a uh a protein that um is heavily associated with a lot of cancers so i'm like you don't, you don't want to be taking that if it's actually stimulating VEGF <laughs> because what VEGF actually does is it it, it uh, it's 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 usually overexpressed in tumors because uh, tumors in order to grow need blood supply so the VEGF is actually what uh, signals mm. the body to generate more blood vessels so you don't want to be taking something that stimulates that because all it's going to do is just encourage encourage cancers to happen but I don't know what their logic was maybe they think oh if they get more blood vessels then maybe it'll let them. You know, it'll give their brain more blood supply. I don't know, because the whole idea with that, right, was like, it lets you see things in like bullet time, right? That was the whole joke, uh, the whole gimmick right. behind it. But Bloody, bloody eye. <laughs> but I just thought that was, that was a, that whole, like, the first, honestly, the, the show to me started really abstra- abstract, and then it actually got more lucid to me, or I just started to, I don't know, or, or maybe I just started to look at very specific plot points more, but. At first, I really don't know what the point of the show is, up until, I would say, when Lane f- goes off the rails and turns her, her room into, you know, a cyberpunk dystopia, basically. Uh, I feel like r- right around there is when it started to kind of make more sense to me. I kind of agree, like, it, except in a, in a different way. Like, I feel like in the beginning, it's, it's not, it isn't clear what it's about, and it seems like it's more about Lane maybe getting in with, getting you know, being friends with people, like uh, being an introvert. But then it kind of becomes this bigger, like, conspiracy thing as it unfolds. Yeah, I don't know. But it was... Then again, even at the very beginning, they infer that there's multiple variants of Lane, right? Like, the the, the girls yeah. are like, Were, weren't you at Siberia last night? Like, okay. So, yeah. Can we, can we talk about that? Yeah. I yeah, still don't get that. <laughs> so my understanding is, is so here's here's how I understand it. Lane was born of the Wired, in the Wired, and then was actually given a physical body to occupy in the real world. But that still left a copy of her in the Wired, which then was like the air quotes mischievous Lane that went out and did, did like punk Lane stuff. That's, so that's you're kind of how I but think. How did that be, but how did that take over Lane's physical physical body with the meat kanji written on her forehead <laughs> is that kind of your question sam yeah like because it seemed like well i mean nick has a interesting explanation that m- maybe makes sense to me but it, yeah it is kind of like are there two physical lanes or is it i guess maybe it's just the wired lane influencing people to plant the so you know false memories so here's yeah oh, that could be so, or yeah it's like or or did any of that stuff actually happen at siberia or did or did cyber lane just make everyone who was there get psyched out from the music here's my theory right so when lane first starts dabbling in in the wired and eventually starts befriending you know the knights and everything right they are all amazed at her capabilities because she's able to manifest her literally herself in the wire where most people are saying right even talented people can only manage like an eye or a mouth or an ear mm, or something right. right so who what's to say that 
counter lane, let's call her, can't do the same thing in the real world. Because if the whole idea of the wire in the real world being actually interconnected and there's just a barrier that's keeping them from actually being fully blended, then what's to say that Cyberlane could do the same thing but the other way around, where she's so capable that she can actually manifest a temporary physical body in the real world, do mischievous things, and then, you know, warp back out into into the Wired. Mm. I think I kind of... I, I think that makes sense to me. The The thing that I wonder, then, is... Uh, who created Lane? I don't feel like they addressed it. It didn't seem like Aerie did. No, Aerie no. definitely did not. I think they they kind of treat Lane as as like a like the original mother, right? Like that whole episode, the the one that the, the episode that unsettled me the most was the kids episode where the kids are playing that weird game where they're like praising the sun, you know, the <laughs> yeah. dark soul style. And then you look up and literally there's naked Lane just smiling down upon them, like, oh, that's really weird. And yeah, uh, I mean, we can get to that later. But um, where was I going with this? But uh, that, I think that sums up the show. Yeah, you're... where was I going? Yeah. Where was I going? <laughs> yeah, the show. How did I get here? It has. I will say, How did the, I get the show here? does have a lot of like, I would say, not minor, but like side plots that end up dead ending and just kind of stopping, for lack of a better yeah. word, like the whole kids thing. I thought, oh, is this yeah. how is this how the starts were initially? The air quotes, you know, the lane apocalypse, as I'll dub it, was going to start with kids, and then it's going to, but no, it just kind of ended there. Oh, like, you know oh, what? It was no. just a game they were doing, right? I think I can I can tie it together for you. Um, maybe <laughs> I'll take a stab. The the uh, it just this just came to me now. Um, is that the the game that they were playing was um based on I'll just say like leaked code from this kind of devious experiment this other guy ran on kids mm-hmm. that ended up killing a lot of them so like somebody had got it out to use uh and maybe they were doing that to kind of do bring about stuff i don't know maybe you're right i don't know i can't connect it it does seem like a dead end doesn't it see that's one of the things that i think is a cool thing that generally you don't get you know even back not certainly not even it wasn't a thing oh you got it back back in those days it was like no you didn't get it back there there was just all these so many crazy threads and they're just like ah we just dropped this one it got it got too weird we didn't know where to go with it uh nope didn't make it into the final cut which is kind of cool because then you can just kind of make your own little weird side story or explanation for it like i think with the siberia stuff with with trickster with loki lane um that i think that there never was a physical trickster lane i think it was net lane that was manifesting and using the power of the music that was in the room that they had said was like weird and had like a subtone in it and was using that to influence and overwrite everyone's memories to make to make them think that she was there, which is the same as her actually being there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm inclined to agree with yeah. that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I just came. I just came to that theory I now can, because so she was it's... she was doing that when um, she invited the the kid, right, the little kid hacker, into her room. She turned on the music, and I was like, really like messing with him, right? So yeah, and there was this acknowledgement, like, oh, you know that this music was like. I forget the exact term, but it was basically it was like, oh, this allows for funky shenanigans because everyone's tripping 
tripping on the music music resonant frequencies. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what it was, something like that. Definitely, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, there 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 was enough hints being dropped that that was the case later on. That I can definitely buy that. Which and as far as the whole, I don't know the two lanes. I did. I was amused and interested by the similar themes to Ava um, in the lane talking about the the different versions of herself or basically because of the different ver- versions that people have of her in their minds. Because mm-hmm. that was like Shinji's thing, right? There's the me and then there's the me that as you see me and there's the me that you know everybody else sees me. Right, but, kind of but, sh- but Shinji was at, at the end, Shinji was still a just a a fourteen year old boy who had sure a, a whole heaping lot of psychological trauma, but he was I would say Lane borderline is more of a concept than like a a person almost right because I just mean thematically right thematically like, sure I get what you're saying yeah thematically I do agree I I do agree that there are a lot of tie ins but they also are very distinct at the yeah, same sure. time so. yeah sure yeah um I just thought that was interesting to to see it the this kind of stuff at the same time. One of the things that I thought actually was good, and I think it's one of the things that makes that show stand out, is it's one of the shows that's post-Eva that doesn't really take much of anything from from Eva visually. Absolutely It has not. such its own mm-hmm. style and feel there, which is like, oh, that's why it feels like it's still its own thing. It can have some of the same—it doesn't really have a lot, but there's some of this different character stuff, and I think it's— uh, interesting, but I thought it was really cool. I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, there's this isn't. Oh, I'm gonna make Eva, but it's gonna be about this thing. You know, it was it was its own thing visually and largely thematically, which is good. Yeah, definitely, extremely unique. I, I will say it does share uh, Anno's love of power lines, but I, I you know it goes a little <laughs> bit deeper. And, and Anno doesn't have a exclusive rights to that stuff, definitely especially not. in Japan. No, I do, love and especially it. not in a show where it it's it's such a critical part of the whole show. Oh, for sure, is the power lines and everything there, such that it's it's almost like a character in the show. Yeah, there's uh, somebody online who maintains a Tumblr. I don't uh, I don't know if they still update it, but they made a tum- Tumblr of power lines in anime. And they just post pictures of power lines in anime. <laughs> <laughs> Very amusing. Um. One of the reasons that I think that got at least got me to think and remember here was the uh, hack that someone did a little bit ago back in May of uh, my anime list. Oh, yeah. Um, where someone and someone has a pretty cheeky, entertaining uh, tweet on it. They're like, OK, hack my anime list, change every anime title to Let's All Love Lane, change every uh, rating to be eight or above. And refuse to elaborate. And you're just like, yep, that's, uh, you're like, it's like, why are Lane fans like, like this? And please never change. You're like, yep, that seems about as, ex- ex- the, especially the refuse to elaborate yeah. part. That's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, what do we do? <laughs> I know, we hacked, said everybody loved Lane, and we're not ever going to explain, no. That, that Lane, that is uh, unbelievably influential amongst um, computer weebs, I would say. Oh yeah, uh, there's just a, a huge number of of if if you're our age in in computer science and you watched anime, like you are probably a serial experiments lane fan. 
to an unhealthy uh, level, probably. Yeah, for yeah. many of them. Uh, yeah. One one thing I wanted to touch on, just to change gears a little, was um, the performance of specifically a vocal performance of uh, Shimizu Kaori, uh, who is Lane's BA. She got the role oh, relatively yeah. young. She was fifteen when she did it, so about oh. relatively close to Lane's real, which is I think why the character feels so authentic. Is you don't have a you know multi you know, multi-year-long industry veteran voicing a teenager. You have a teenager voicing a teenager, and really, it feels like it, not in, like, a bad way, but, like, an accurate way. Like, the way, you know, how she has trouble, like, raising her voice, because, you know, especially in Japan, right, like, culturally, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a little bit unusual from the shy girls to, like, raise their voice, but... Then when she pivoted to, you know, especially it took a long time to actually for us to hear her talk as, I guess we can call it um, counter lane, right? Where she's mm-hmm. kind of more edg- edgelord lane, let's call it, where she, you know, has more attitude, right? But the it's clearly the same voice, but the performance distinctly changes. I, I, I was really impressed by that. I, I, I think the, the, the performance kind of almost gets overshadowed by the show's like you know presentation and like themes but i i I feel like she does she did a really great job especially at 15 yeah uh, i i feel like she part of the appeal and the reason she does it so well i think is that the amateurish sound i think adds to the awkwardness yeah Um, exactly it's she sounds like an like an awkward teenager because she was an awkward teenager doing it most likely yeah yeah i didn't realize that but that makes a lot of sense some of the other things like abe was like 25 or 26 um when he they got together and and made this thing so certainly wasn't old there um, and then other thing that didn't influence this, um, and you can kind of see that they have some of its, almost some similar ideas, but it's on its own, is this was not influenced by The Matrix. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Because uh, The Matrix didn't come out until... 99? Until 99, yeah. So, Thank God. Um, yeah, so it, it didn't have... You do see a little bit of kind of like the green text stuff but it's not the let's just copy the matrix green Mm -hmm. green text format stuff so they they came up with all of their own you know ideas for any of their stuff that they that they did there which uh you know yeah that's that's it's a in a way it's a bullet dodged right because anybody who made something after the matrix is always compared to the matrix and even if they didn't weren't really influenced by it they're de facto influenced by the matrix and they kind of lose some cred for that mm, agreed although i would say it's almost almost the opposite right? because in the matrix when you when you enter the matrix you're like cool you're like a superhero right kung fu master but in when you enter the wired unless you're like lane level good it doesn't seem like it's all that uh pleasant looking like you're just a floating eye or an ear or a mouth like it doesn't seem all that cool to me personally from how it was presented at least no, yeah, it seems pretty awful. <laughs> Anytime you're looking at like wired interactions, it actually kind of looks real, almost unsettling, right? At least that's mm-hmm. how, I, how I interpret it. Especially that one scene when she first starts talking with Aki when before he manifests himself, where he's just the voice, and she's mm-hmm. in that long hallway with all of the disembodied or disheaded bodies. <laughs> well, I guess Those are I creepy. Know. Yeah, and then they get replaced by her head. I'm like, whoa, oh gosh, this this scene's really unnerving. And yeah, the whole that whole segment was rather you know 
uncomfortable to watch. And that, that was the intent, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, that the that didn't make me want to be like, yeah, I want to be on the wire. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about Mike? How did you feel about Lane? Did you were you uh, did you like it as much as you did originally, or hate it as much as you did originally? I think I liked it more than I did originally, though I remember liking it originally, but. I don't remember much of it originally, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I think that we've all discovered thing. how much we had forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. But I feel like, in a lot of ways, the show has aged really well, because I feel like we've become somewhat more techno-pessimist than we were when we first watched it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's a very it's a very different show to watch now than it was in 1999. I also mm-hmm. think I'm just a more uh, I'll just say I'm just I'm smarter now than I was when I was because you know, I watched it later than you guys. I think I watched it freshman year, so I was like in 2000 probably. So, but in any case, yeah, I def I was I was an idiot I was an idiot in college when I watched it, and I I, I just pretended to think that. It was interesting, but honestly, I had no idea what was going on. And I watched it again. I'm like, oh, this is actually way more memorable and palatable as a plot than I gave it credit for. Because really, for Lane, all I remember are, before I'd be watching it, because this, I've only watched it twice. When I first watched it, and when I just watched it again for yeah. this episode. Yeah, same. And, and what I can say is, before this, we'd be watching it, the only things I can recall for Lane are, one, the opening, because super iconic to the uh, obvious art like any of the key art because it's all amazing and then three as much as it's embarrassing and all i remember is any or, or is seeing lane draped in like cables and like, have cords in her <laughs> mouth and like literally trying to integrate into the wired yeah. um, that whole thing that's like literally all i remembered lane with a series of tubes yeah <laughs> yeah literally room is a series of tubes of coolant yeah, speaking of um, techno, actually, we we should. I don't want to. I could go on for a little bit too long here, but let's wrap up here with our our final thoughts here. Uh, Nick, why don't you give us some final thoughts? Sure, I'll lead off. So, what I'll say is going back to what I just talked about with Lane being draped in cables and kind of looking really hmm, exhausted, for lack of a better description. When I saw that. I immediately, the first thing I thought of was um, Made in Abyss Season 2, because it's literally the same situation that Vueco was put into, as, as how I look oh, at yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Vueco's literally mm. dropped into this, you know, this dark pit where she's, you know, cha- chained up into this network of unborn babies, basically, right? I mean, hers hers was really dark, too, her whole, the whole setting, and she was put there by, you know, for not for ba- by not for bad intentions, but just you know they said you're going to get in the way, so let's keep you here forever. And that, I, and I saw that I immediately thought, wow, I wonder if I wonder if that was something that um, Tsukishi like that scene specifically was something he got because of Lane. Because I feel like they're they're so similar, eerily similar. Like he applied it differently in a, in, a, in, a, in my opinion, in a very effective manner. But I just thought there was a lot of of parody in the in the, in those two scenes and those two characters, so mm. I thought that was really fascinating. But we all also know I'm a massive Maiden of Abyss fanboy, yeah. so I'll take any excuse I can get to talk about it. But I do love Lane as well. 
Uh, it aged incredibly well. Uh, happy 25th birthday. Uh, it's, it's a, I would say, a Criterion anime at this point. There's Thus far, I feel like there's really nothing else like it. And not another show that will make you experience the things that makes you experience. So especially, I feel like if you're, uh, you know, if you're into like old, I guess this point, especially old school computer technology and like, you know, that sort of stuff, it could be a good watch. Even if not, it's a very different show. It's honestly not a lot these days that even I could compare it to. So highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Mike? Final thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely recommend it. It's interesting looking at some of its influences. Like, I definitely could see some Akira in the god trying to manifest oh, yeah. itself into its mm, body and that yes. not working out so well. Yeah, speaking of cancer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that segment, if you look at the animation credits for those uh, those episodes, like, everybody is... Like everybody is is there, um, like Tokoro Tomokazu, Hidenori Matsubara was all over it, um, and um, uh, who else was? There's another uh, like Captain Captain Macross was uh, an animator, I think, on that segment as well. Um, oh, speaking of Macross, that's the other thing that visually felt like you mentioned the lane wrapped in the tentacles, and I was thinking of. Um, Mewing wrapped up by the cabling from Sharon Apple when Sharon was trying to kill her. Mm. Mm. Yes, oh. I do agree. That's, that's true, and that was the same, probably the same studio. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, Dylan, how about you? Uh, I want to talk about two things we haven't really mentioned. One, the soundtrack. Like, oh yeah. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and like the uh, the soundtrack, and I want to say like the audio editing. Like I feel like that show you know, should have won the Oscar or the, at least the Emmy for like best audio editing and soundtrack. And it's not a soundtrack that I would say I would just go and like put on and listen to all the time, but it was like, I did <laughs> so, I mean, sure there's stuff in there, but it's one where it's just like, it was so well done and integrated and cut in with the show. Uh, it was just really just added to it and brought you in everywhere they had all the right tracks um and then the other thing is the um the opening the opening animation and uh everything like in the last episode when they had like the different like intro i was scared they weren't gonna play the opening and i was like <laughs> oh please play it and then yeah. i was like oh i was like oh thank goodness because it is so good it is it's one of those other things that helped the show, I think, be so popular. Is the opening was so cool. The mm -hmm. song is, the song is such a great, you know, like late late nineties. You know, you, if you know, it could have the sh the song could have been used somewhere in Buffy or something as well. <laughs> that very, like in in the best in the best way, and the animation and everything in it. That opening is, I. I don't know. Cer certainly in the '90s, certainly a top ten opening in the '90s. Like maybe still a top, maybe still a top ten opening. Like ever, it's an all it's so timer good. for me. It it might it might it might. Be, that's one of those things, right? I can think of so many. So I'd be like, it might be an all time top ten opening. It's it's so good. Yeah, definitely. Especially that 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 last cut of the opening is just oh man, so good. 
And with the pre-opening of the present day, oh, present man. time, oh, yeah. and the laugh, it's like everything about it is just perfectly done. And again, it's really great and cool and is also not an Eva clone of an opening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say sp- the present day, present time also gives big Akira vibes. Also, just kind of the, the way that it's like presented. It's like, it sounds very like, I don't know, like punky. Just mm, Kind of like that kind of cyberpunk apocalyptic kind of that kind of feel Mm -hmm. to it Mm. cool yeah so um for my final thoughts uh is i can't believe i forgot to mention the music earlier um it was funny because i when the show started and i watched the was watching the first episode all of a sudden it hit me that i used to listen to this soundtrack all the time and like yeah, man, I could just, I knew all of these tracks and I had just forgotten about them um, for some reason. And they're still there in my iTunes. I just haven't put them on. Um, so good. Um, and the other thing is uh, this show does a really good job, I think, of kind of leveraging the TV anime medium in the way that um, not a lot of creators do, um, where they basically they they understand they're under budget constraints so they kind of have to be creative with how they do things and a lot of times that means they lean on repetition and um the only other person i can think of who does this well is um oh shoot i can't remember his name um utena uh leather pants ikuhara ikuhara yes thank you they because they do a good job of they leverage the in this show they'll leverage the the repetition of like the show always starts the same way, right? Except when it slowly starts tweaking, right? And they do different things and it kind of puts you, it says something about what's going on at the time, right? Like Utena did that all the time with stuff where there was a, um, kind of these beats they had to hit and these sequence they would play over and over again. But as they, the way they changed slightly as the series went on, um, made them really interesting. Um, and let you kind of subvert your expectations. Uh, I thought that was that was really cool in this show that they did that. Um, I didn't realize it the first time I I watched it. Cool. So, well, we are now at the end. Uh, I believe I th- think we said next time we were gonna do uh, Gunbuster. That is correct. Gunbuster. 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 Cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I got my Blu-ray in. I'm I'm ready to watch it for the first time. So you guys will get my first impression. Raw. And, and <laughs> you'll have you'll have Nick there to be your gunbuster coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Coach is Norio Wakamoto. Is my oh, totally man. off I'm there? Pretty sure. Yeah, I think I Coach is. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It's totally. Yeah. Coach is Nori Wakamoto. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Spoiler. But yeah. No, no, oh, no. Is, yeah. No, no, no <laughs> Sweet. Well, now I'm even more excited. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end here. And uh, and until next time, this is Amo Kenzoku signing off. Sarabao.